I'm Wanda Pokets, and this is SEO in 2023, Additional Insights. Wanda, what's your additional insight for SEO in 2023? Hi, David. Uh, my additional insight or tip for today is to focus on the users and their needs, but solve problems worth solving. What do I mean? Well, you are not going to be able to solve everything, nor should you, to be honest. So do not even try. Be smart about it and focus on solutions for user problems, which actually need solving and that will contribute to your objectives as well. There are lots of problems, aren't there? And uh, you say sort problems worth solving, but how do you actually determine the most important problems that you need to solve? Well, there's a number of ways, of course, but first you need to make sure that you actually identify the problems or user needs. Problems also have such a negative connotation, right? But it's not always a problem. It might be something that helps your users gain something. In my opinion, you can, for example, follow a product discovery approach. Now, I, I like to talk a lot about product discovery because a while back my team moved to the product and engineering department as opposed to sitting in marketing, but it doesn't really matter where you sit. The main idea is that you should talk to users or at least interact with users. You can maybe do that by deep interviews, but that's, that's the trickiest part. You can also use surveys. You can talk to, for example, your customer service representatives, you know, who are customer facing and, and, and can understand the needs and problems that your users face. But you can also look at data or you can carry out a competitor research, you know, to kind of add additional insights for you. The first start in identifying the problems worth solving is to even identify those problems or user needs. Then you need to define them. And then the important part is that you will also need to validate those. Are they worth solving? Not everything is worth solving. Maybe it's because, you know, your users just ask for something, but they don't truly want it. Uh, but it can also be not worth solving because it will actually not contribute to your company's goals, basically. Is that how you validate it? Do you actually determine if it um, is important to your company bottom line? Well, that's part of it. Yes, you need to uh, need to check whether it's it's worth for your uh, bottom line. Will it bring those, I don't know, revenue or whatever your goal is? Maybe your goal is just to get more uh, sort of brand awareness. That's also fine. But of course, an important part of validation is, is it actually something that your users would use? Is this something they really need? Because they can ask for anything, but if they kind of don't put, well, we can say if they don't put their money to where their, you know, uh, mouth is, then it's maybe not worth solving. Of course, it doesn't actually need to be physically money, you know, but uh, at least some deep interviews where they where they truly explain to you why it's important for them. So I loved your, your five different ways of carrying out research that you mentioned, and you've already mentioned deep interviews twice. Um, so what makes an interview deep? And um, what are you trying to find out? What kind of questions do you need to ask? And is this for your customers? Well, first of all, it's important that you don't kind of ask closed-end questions. You know, you should, you should have a starting point for yourself, of course, a direction, so to say, but then you actually want to find out what is, ask open-end questions, basically, for a start. And then you can lead them a little bit, but make sure you don't ask them leading questions, for sure. 
I'm actually reading uh, a book currently uh, from Porna, High Impact Com Content Marketing, and she has a lot of excellent insights about how to formulate user interviews, for example, and how to carry out sort of user needs analysis. So deep interviews, you should also make sure that you, you allocate at least maybe like 45 minutes, an hour. You should uh, ha do this sort of one-on-one. -on -one. I'm, I'm saying one-on-one -on -one in sort of quotation marks because as interviewer, you should always make sure that you have one or two more people in the room with you who can, you know, kind of take notes uh, and just truly listen because you as interviewer will, will have to be, you know, you cannot waste your time taking notes or something. You really need to... Uh, understand what that user is needing to be able to ask follow-up questions. So can you do this online? Can you do this in video or do you have to do that face-to-face? -face? Uh, very good question. So uh, no, I, I, I think you can, like at least we have never, that's not true. I've done a few interviews face-to-face -face in person, but you can totally do it online as well. Nowadays, there's like all these excellent tools. Maybe if you would do something rather like a focus group, it would be more beneficial to do it in person. But if you do it with one person, of course, you can do it online. And maybe one more thing is that obviously the best is if you can interview your existing users. But I have carried out uh, interviews before where we sourced interviewees through an online platform. And that's, that's still better than not interacting with your users at all. Okay, great. So how do you know that you're selecting the right users to interview? Because a business could have thousands of users, so you have to select the right people. And how do you approach them? Do you have to pay them to take part? How do you encourage them to take part? Yes, well, for, for the first part of your question, it's obviously very beneficial. You should always have sort of personas. So you should make sure that, or, or sort of segments in your, in your audience, right? They say that in general, for example, at the end of a design sprint, which I like to use along a product discovery process, it is enough to interview five people and that will give you the majority of the insights. However, we have done this in the past and we have interviewed five people, but we, it should be five people per segment or per, you know, uh, persona. So for, for a start, definitely, you know, pick the right segment that you want to target. And what about conversations with customer service reps? How are they different? What kind of conversations are you having with them? So actually, we ha I haven't done that before. I have had some conversations with our, with our sales team, etc. However, need to keep in mind that Laden Sila is a product comparison platform. So we are not actually selling our own uh, products. And hence, our customer service is mostly based on, you know, feedback forms, etc. So what we have done in the past is that we have analyzed sort of the, the questions that came in or, or uh, suggestions or complaints through these feedback forms. But uh, I, I haven't actually personally carried out sort of deep interviews with customer, representative, uh, customer service representatives. But uh, if your company is wired like that, that you have this uh, true B2C touchpoint, uh, then that's definitely an additional insight you can gain. And competitor research. How do you select the competitors and how do you benchmark your client's business against the competitors? Yes, I think it's very clear for SEOs in general that we have two types of uh, competitors, right? We, we have our direct competitors, in our case, for example, other 
product or price comparison sites. Uh, but we are also strongly competing with certain e-commerce sites. And then we, of course, have our, our SERP competitors. And then it's, uh, it's a selection is usually a mix of both. In our case, uh, our, our direct competitors uh, in our markets as well as our SERP competitors. So how do we benchmark then when we are carrying out the competitor research ourselves? So like Lyle and Sila as a product comparison site, as a platform against others. Well, it, it depends again at, at the sort of problem we are trying to solve and at the solution we are looking at. So often our competitor research is literally going to that other platform and for example, looking at their product cards, so how their uh, products are represented, what type of information they are sharing with the user. This was actually a recent project that I have been working on. We're looking at what type of uh, names they are giving to their uh, items, for example. Is it uh, keyword rich, for example, or is it mostly the images that they are focusing on? We are also looking at, of course, uh, sort of um, how they represent themselves in the SERP. For example, currently we are planning to test some meta title adjustments, etc. In that case, it's also beneficial to go to your competitors, but then experiment a little bit. So it's it like how we benchmark ourselves against and, and what we are looking at will, of, of course, depend on, on what type of feature or solution we are looking at. But generally, it is quite manual, I have to say. Okay. And how often are you doing this? So how often do you try to identify the problems um, within your own website and um, how to improve them, how to benchmark them, um, all this um, interview process that you're talking about? Is that, is that an ongoing process or is that something you do maybe just once a quarter or once every six months or so? I would love to tell you that this is an ongoing process because I'm a firm believer that continuous product discovery should be taking place where you're constantly, you know, getting the inside, defining your problems and, and then uh, looking at the solution space. But unfortunately for us, this is not yet the case. So we are rather taking it often on a project basis, maybe once a quarter. Uh, let's say when we are, we are kind of revising our, our uh, vision or strategy a little bit, but optimally, just for whoever is listening, continuous effort should be what you should be aiming for. And this is what we are also aiming for, but we just didn't yet crack the code, so to say, to build it into our DNA. So this sounds like a bit of a hybrid activity. It sounds like activities that could be done or managed by CRO teams or product teams. So do you really think that SEOs should be leading this type of activity? Good question. I would say yes, but I might be a little bit biased because my team is sitting in the product team and uh, we are, so to say, at least part of my team is SEO product managers. But you quote that uh, very well with the word hybrid, because currently we are still, even our SEO product managers are a little bit of a hybrid between, between a PM and an on-page SEO, let's say. Optimally, you would have one or two, depending on, your, on the size of your, or your team, SEO product manager who would only focus on this type of process of product discovery. They would talk to users. They might work together with a UX team, for example, a, a UX researcher. Uh, that would be ideal. But of course, not every company have all the resources in the world. 
this is why also it's very essential for SEOs or SEO product managers to be able to drive such initiatives. And it is not easy. It's not an easy switch. It's also not easy for developer teams and other teams in the organization to kind of accept SEOs into this role, but it is possible. You've shared what SEOs should be doing in 2023. So now let's talk about what SEOs shouldn't be doing. So what's something that's seductive in terms of time, but ultimately counterproductive? What's something that SEOs shouldn't be doing in 2023? Yes, um, I, will, I, I think I can tie that a little bit together with my tip. Well, actually, currently, all of us SEOs, I think, are a little bit grind, so to say, because there's so many different innovations, new technologies, new tools, whether it's AI-based or otherwise. And it's exciting, honestly. It's truly exciting, but it is also very over overwhelming and it can be a little bit exhausting, in my opinion, as well. So I think what we shouldn't be doing is just jump on trends, so to say. We should 100% follow up in new innovations, for example, regarding AI and, uh, and so on. Uh, we, we shouldn't, you know, base the opportunity there. But then we should always go back and look at our company's, company's objectives. What are we trying to achieve? Does, does it fit with what we are trying to achieve? And basically select, be selective, be smart and selective about what tools you are using and what kind of uh, new innovations you are incorporating into your work. Vanda Pockets is team lead SEO at Leidenzilla, and you can find her over at leidenzilla.de. Vanda, thanks so much for adding your additional insight to SEO in 2023. Thank you. I've been your host, David Bain, and you've been listening to SEO in 2023 Additional Insights, a majestic series that complements the original SEO in 2023 podcast, video series, and book. Find out more over at seoin2023.com.